Hi, we're Grace and Clara, here to shake up the world of women's health. We know firsthand how intimidating it can be to speak up when it comes to issues like your menstrual cycle or menopause. That's why we created Unprocessed, a weekly podcast where we dive into every aspect of women's health, from mental well-being to physical nutrition. We're here to ask the burning questions and encourage us all to advocate for ourselves. So get ready for some smart, cheeky and witty discussions about all things women's health. Welcome to the podcast. You have Grace and Clara in your ears, and today we are talking about a very important topic peri and menopause. Peri and menopause is like a roller coaster ride. One minute you're feeling great, and the next minute you find yourself experiencing hot flashes or night sweats. It's a wild ride that'll take you up and down and all around, and for some, it can feel a bit overwhelming. This is why we invited naturopath Sarah McLaughlin onto the podcast. Sarah is an expert in all things peri and menopause. Her passion is helping women find calm and control amongst the hormonal transition of life. In this chat, we discuss how to support and balance our hormones, prepare our bodies for change, and not let peri or menopause wreak havoc on our lives. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. I would love to know, how did you become an expert in this area? Super interesting is I have a really, really long story. (laughs) It goes back to my teens. You can have that if you like, or I have the condensed version. But um, when I was growing up and when I first started getting my period, you know, no one talked about it. Mm. Mum didn't talk about it. Dad took me to sex ed classes. They briefly covered that. That was it. And Mm. didn't know much about anything. But uh, also grew up in in a, I guess, a family or generation where what the, you know, you just did what the doctor told you to. They knew best and you didn't question and you didn't ask anymore. I have dodgy genes around my immune system. So I, you know, year 12 got psoriasis and had other asthma eczema those sorts of things when I was young they bothered me through time as well and I, I guess I learned to deal with them or I used the creams or the tar shampoo or, or all those things um, <laughs> as I needed to uh, then when I wanted to have babies my partner and I had a tricky time we were just about to get started with IVF when we fell pregnant with my first child and I think both our underlying health was around that and you've had lots of chats with people you know fertility experts and that as well you know what what it's like um but I was still in that sort of more medical mindset so it wasn't I had been to a naturopath thought it was really weird turned myself orange on my palms from doing what the naturopath had told me to do what was that what (laughs) was orange I was just eating too many I was on a candida diet I think probably everyone my generation has at some point been on a candida diet or anti-candida diet too many carrots as my snacks and also relates and now I know it relates to my liver function and my capacity to turn the carotenes into retinol vitamin a but I didn't know that then (laughs) so just thought it was all weird then when I did I had my second child and she had started to develop or getting rashes weird nappy rash and stuff that was really intense really bad really quickly and you know multiple rounds of antibiotics antibiotic creams and doctors not really knowing what to do it was a chance conversation I overheard at Jimbaroo with her where the teacher was recommending a naturopath and homeopath that was really amazing and I was like well you know what nothing else is working why not I'll go try it so we did she was like yep I've seen that before take cow's milk out That was it, never again. It just, the rash never came back again. And I was like, well, that is amazing. Yeah. Who knew that food was so powerful, right? I said to my husband, oh, it's really amazing. 
I wonder if I could do that. I really want to do that. I want to help people learn how to eat and know mm. about food because I loved cooking and all of that sort of stuff too. Now with four kids, I don't love it as much, but <laughs> I do still enjoy um, eating and cooking. So that then I was like, well, how could I do that? And so I went back. I had two kids at that time, went back to study uh, naturopathy, which is a four-year degree full-time, and um so I started that. By the end of that, I had four kids. So it took me a while. And um, it also took me into my 40s. My health had took a different turn again. So we had a lot of stress. I mean, studying in that degree is really intense as well as I, you know, was making humans breastfeeding pretty much that whole time I was studying. It was a lot of demand for my body. Hormone changes post-baby, but also of my 40s my immune system wigged out from it all and it was just a bit of a mess. <laughs> and all through uni I'd been like, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to do stuff with women's hormones. That's not my thing. That's not what I want to do. I just want to teach people how to eat. I want to work with women with mums, stressed and busy mums. And that's what I started working with, stress and that. But guess what? <laughs> all that stress and busyness impacts your hormones and you know, your immune system. So I guess that Regardless of what I wanted, I was catapulted into the world of hormones and women's hormones. And then my own perimenopause experience, when I realized that's where I was at, even though I was too young for perimenopause, which is what lots of women do. Too young. Hear, too young, yeah, in mm. inverted commas. Um, I realized that's what was happening for me. And, um, and, you know, I was still breastfeeding. And feel and thinking I must be in perimenopause. Surely that couldn't be. That feels odd or weird. I started diving into the rabbit hole and got amazing results for myself. Was like, wow, this is incredible. I feel like I've been given a gift. Now I just want to share it with so many other women so they don't have to go through this time period feeling rubbish and just accepting that, oh, that's just how it is. So perimenopause. Um, you spoke about obviously perimenopause as part of your journey. What is the, and not thinking that you're quite at that age yet, <laughs> so what is that common age or the age that perimenopause normally starts? And when people talk about early perimenopause, what kind of the signs and symptoms are you looking out for? Perimenopause, that was part of the thing too. I, I found everyone was talking about menopause. That's when we don't have a period anymore. So that's it, for at least 12 months you haven't had a period and there's no underlying dysfunction or, or reason for that. So perimenopause can last um, from a couple of years up to 12 years and it's the time period where your hormones start to change, your progesterone starts to decline, your estrogen does its own little roller coaster thing before it starts to decline and change and leading up to when you don't have your menstrual cycle anymore, you don't have a period. The average length of time, it's around that two to, to five years. But the thing is it can go on for longer because you're not expecting perimenopause to be the answer or the reason for the way that you're feeling and the things that are happening. So average age, it is around the 50 mark, but remembering it can be, at least five to 10 years on either side of that. So somewhere between 45 and 55 is average. Early, you know, changes can start to come from your mid-30s. 
that's mm. often when we're not thinking about it. And, or, you know, even if you present to your GP, they might tell you at 45 that you're a bit young. And then beyond that, there's sometimes there's reasons that women in their 20s or, or really early, early 30s might go into menopause. For people without any sort of underlying issue or dysfunction, you might start noticing some changes to your cycle around mm. 35 and beyond. And sometimes that might coincide with people's last baby or their second baby or something so they kind of think oh well it's it's related to that Mm -hmm. and certainly you'll often women will often experience some changes post birth as your body adjusts and settles back in so for sure that could be its own reason Um, but yeah you might notice some things now the and the first things that happen is not you know, we think of menopause as that we don't have a period anymore, but the first symptoms or side effects of those hormone changes that you might notice is actually a shortening of your cycle. So it might come more frequently and it might get heavier. Um, oh, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So it's really, yeah, and that's the other thing. It's really good to sort out any issues that you have around your menstrual cycle before you start moving into that age bracket or perimenopause because perimenopause really just does shine a spotlight on any sort of imbalance or dysfunction. you got pain, perimenopause will it probably exacerbate that. you got PMS, PMDD, it will get worse because that's another one of the early um, symptoms of perimenopause is a new PMS or worsening PMS. So you might never have had pain or PMS and now suddenly you're getting it and that can often be the changes around oestrogen and progesterone of early perimenopause. And then if you're on the con- on the pill or I think it's called the Marina, one of my girlfriends yes. had, so how yeah. did they affect your hormones or can they affect your hormones when you're going into perimenopause or can they um, kind of prolong perimenopause? Well, so those, the pill and um, synthetic hormones will shut down your own uh, hormone production. So like on the pill, you don't get to ovulate. You don't produce an egg and you don't ovulate it. Um, And that's how you make progesterone. With the marina, it's a little different because you actually do still get to ovulate. So if we're ranking hormonal birth controls, that one's a better option than, say, the pill. But it doesn't suit everyone. Um, mm. And you don't have a bleed with the marina. You don't, yeah. Um, and, and you know, you do. You can have a bleed with the pill, but it's not like a period as such because it's not a hormonal thing. It's just because you're removing the hormones. So they are mostly suppressing your own hormone production there. You will still move through to menopause at some point Point or have to do that at some point but you need to uh when you come off the pill it you might find that you've already been through you've passed through or for some women it can be a, a quite a hectic adjustment period there as well you know perimenopause is not just this moment in time it's really the sum total of your hormonal life from puberty through to now and you've coped with that, your genetics, you know, all those sorts of things as well. Our bodies are so complex that nothing ever is just one, you know, isolated Mm. thing. And that's why often, you know, maybe you've got acne or maybe you've got irregular cycles or whatever and the the solution you've been given is the pill, but it's addressing one part of it. It's not really addressing what's underlying or the, the issue that's underlying that as well. So, yes, women will often get offered the pill or the marina 
particularly in that early perimenopause phase, maybe when the cycles are getting um, heavier, uh, it's often given in that way. But um, you still, your body still needs to go through to menopause and that's still going to happen. And, yes, often it will reduce the heavy bleeding, it will reduce the pain and, and it helps, you know, with those symptoms. But as I said, it's not addressing the underlying issue um, or the cause, the driver of what's happening. Hey, it's Grace here. Just want to quickly interrupt the episode to say it's time to start nourishing you. Join the eight-week program and get eight weeks of easy, delicious meal plans with full shopping lists. And at $5.50 or under per serve, it couldn't be more affordable to eat healthy. Each week, we'll give you a range of meals to cook that are quick and easy to prepare with minimal waste. You don't have to be a master chef to enjoy these nutritious meals. Plus fun online workouts, mentoring from industry experts, and access to our exclusive sleep school. Spots are limited. Join now. Now let's get back into the episode. So, I mean, we hear a lot about the symptoms of menopause and perimenopause, but how can we use or how can we support some of the symptoms? So hot flashes, you know, all of this stuff that we hear Mm. about that really as someone who hasn't gone through it yet terrifies me. (laughs) Like. You know, I'm imagining waking up in cold sweats each night and, you know, like it just doesn't sound fun. So how do we yeah. start supporting that? And, and you know, can we get a front foot on that? I have endometriosis. So, you know, when you're talking about estrogen mm. being high, that's something that I can actually do now because that's something that I'm mm. having to deal with now. So, you know, it's it really, I mean, it's a cycle of life, I guess. But for me, it's it's really interesting to hear that, you know, what I'm going to go through with menopause is actually really similar to kind of my highs and lows now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that you can do is start thinking about yourself and your health now Mm -hmm. and investing that time in it. Now, you know, like looking after yourself doesn't have to involve grand gestures. Ironically, it's International Self-Care Day today when we're Recording. Oh, I didn't know yes. that. <laughs> and I've just been writing some notes about it um, for socials because we're often we think about the grand gestures or that or that you know looking after ourselves has to be these big things, you know, a weekend away with the girls or a health retreat or I'm doing a juice detox for two weeks mm-hmm. or whatever. But actually, it's those really small daily habits that um, help build. Uh, health overall and particularly hormonal balance, resilience and physical good health. So one thing I really want to say is that as mums or as women in this modern world, we are inherently busy. It's a really busy time, you know, if you've got kids added into that mix and you're working because, you know, we can do it all, we can have it all which we absolutely can because, you know, we've got lots of different tools to help us. We've got chat GPT, we've got apps and phones and things, mm. we've got it all. But if you spend the 10 years leading up to your perimenopause or, or menopause zapping your adrenals and, and being in fight or flight mode, you are going to have a hard time. Your body's going to have a hard time adjusting. Now, the reason for that is that as you move towards menopause, your adrenal glands step in and start help making a little bit of estrogen so that our body can still function well because our bodies are quite addicted to estrogen. Our brain and body, we love it. Estrogen receptors everywhere, all over the cells, helping you think and do all the things. So if we 
like nuca adrenal glands in that time period, they're busy making stress hormones and not uh, as able to step in and help make that estrogen for us. So thinking about things now, working on stress and your stress management and you know, your boundary, all of the stuff that goes with it. And self-care is a part of that too. That also becomes really important because progesterone is our inbuilt stress resilience hormone. So as that starts to decline, you might find that, what you know, you're like, why can't I cope with that to-do list now? Why, why am I not dealing with this level of busyness? I was fine with that six, 12 months ago, two years, whatever the time frame is for you there. The, the reason that you find yourself in that situation is that progesterone is starting to decline. So that's where we can be using those basics, eating three nourishing meals a day. Don't skip any meals, please. That's just one, you know, one thing that you can commit to is giving and fueling yourself with three solid meals across the day and drinking plenty of water so that you know when we are a lot of water our body needs water to move our hormones and nutrients around our body and as part of our bloodstream prioritizing your sleep and getting sleep you know the temptation for us is to stay up late and you know doom scroll or watch netflix to get some time on our own but it's you know it really backfires um for us i like to tell my clients like Get yourself into bed by 10.30. Have your lights out and be asleep by 11. That's the ideal and give yourself the opportunity to get that seven, eight hours quality sleep. But those hours between, say, 10.30 and 2.30, 10.30 p.m. and 2.30 a.m., I call them the golden hours because they're worth so much for your body while your cortisol is decreased and before it starts increasing after 2.30 a.m. to get us up out of bed in the morning and so mm. many women they say they tell me they're going to sleep at like 1 a.m and or you know around that time period they miss yes mm. yes it's not because uh, they're staying up trying to get that time on their own and then uh, getting up yeah, to go point. to work you know it's seven or whatever um mm. it's really taxing and stressful on your body so our brain does need a bit of solitude and quiet each day but mm you know, finding some other way to do that is really helpful because you really need to get that sleep in those golden hours to get your body and into that rest and digest mode. So get your nervous system into that rest and digest mode and out of fight or flight mode, which is where we spend a lot of our days uh, and our time. So sleep is the antidote to that. So yeah, basics, food, you know, three meals a day, 80% of the time make it nourishing whole foods, um, your water intake, your sleep is really quality. Making sure your nutrient stores are repleted. Like when was the last time you had, you know, extensive bloods done? When you were your iron studies done? I can't, I can't remember. Right? And I'm actually, that- I'm on that mission, Sarah. That's where I've yeah. just gone to the doctor and I've asked for all of this and her look like was like, I don't understand why you're here. Oh, yeah. And as I understand it, and I, like mm. I am, I'm not a doctor and I'm not, um, I, I refer my clients privately for their testing because mm. it's quicker and easier. It does, it does cost, but it is more efficient. You can, you know, if you wanted to, you can go to companies like iScreen. No, don't know if I'm allowed to mention it, but oh, you yeah. can People go and have request. Before. It's all good. Okay, great. You can, <laughs> you can request your own bloods. Mm. Um, 
And so interestingly, I am actually creating at the moment. It's nearly ready to go um, and it, it probably will by the time this is released, uh, a new freebie called um, the Blood Test Decoder and it has mm. in it ranges that are optimal for women in this phase of life. So because, you know, you might have your blood test done and be told that they're fine or it's in the normal range, but those ranges are very broad and mm. they are created from the average or looking at a sample of people that have presented for blood tests and what their blood test where they sat now most of the time people presenting for blood tests are unwell or have something going on so those normal ranges can be quite skewed towards ill health or not your best state of health so um yeah the freebie that i've got for people to download is around those optimal ranges that are really going to give us our best state of health so you can compare your results to that and see sort of where you are now often people will say oh but you know, I was told my results, they're, they're fine, my thyroid's fine or my iron's fine but they're still having heavy bleeding or they're still feeling really tired or, you know, so there's obviously something going on. Uh, that's where having, you know, a chat with someone who's looks at things holistically or differently like a naturopath or a nutritionist mm -hmm. or someone like that can help you understand what your blood tests are telling us and also what to do about that with food or with herbs or with supplements and things like that. But, yeah, have your annual blood tests. And as I understand it in Australia, we can ask for, you know, those basic bloods like your, your liver function and your kidney function and your white blood cells, red blood cells, those kind of things um, each year. But check with your GP and what they're happy to, to prescribe otherwise go into ice cream or, or go to an alternative practitioner and have them done. But that's that's the that gives you the opportunity for preventative care when mm. we're looking at things from a narrower, more optimal range and, and if your results are falling outside of that but they're still in the normal range, then we've got the opportunity to use food and, and nutrients and herbs to get you back towards that optimal range but also in this case get you really well set up for moving through to menopause and make that as smooth as possible. Where else can women go to educate themselves about their hormones? Yeah, if you want to learn about your hormones, I love Lara Bryden's work. The She's a New Zealand naturopath and Canadian naturopath. She lives between the two. She writes beautifully on the topic and helps you understand your hormones um, and how and that symphony and that is your cycle and how that works and what they do for you. Um, and that's generally really accessible. She writes in a way that's easy for most people to understand. And she also does give some actionable tips in there too or talk to your healthcare provider about this test or, or doing um, that because it's one thing to know or see things are out of balance but, it, yeah, putting the pieces together and for an action plan, you can try Googling or try, you know, there's lots of information out there but if you want it to be more efficient then I would say working with someone who is experienced in supporting women that their hormones is going to make it so much easier for you. A lot of people talk about menopause um, and the medications that you end up on, the hormone replacement medications. Is this something that can go hand in hand with doing that or is there even 
could it go a step further and help you when it comes to not actually being so reliant on those medications? So I've had clients already on HRT come to me and their personal goal was they wanted to come off them. So we Mm -hmm. help build their health at that cellular level that I was talking about before so that, you know, everything's working really well so that their body's ready and more able to adjust as they start to wean off it. And some vice versa might be true as well. You know, for some people, HRT might be the right answer. It might mm. be the the thing that works best for them or they've tried food and herbs and nutrients and maybe they just need that to get through. It does it depends mm. on what else is going on in life is what I found often like that I talked before about getting yourself ready for perimenopause mm. and menopause and your stress levels and dealing with that. And there's some some people, you know, they have some a traumatic or huge major life event happening and it's sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back and HRT will help fill the gap there. Um so yeah, I I don't think it has to be either or and mm. they very much can work together and for some people yeah that's the right answer and for others it isn't or that's not what they want but i do strongly suggest to my clients that they choose bioidentical body identical if they can mm. have that conversation with the person prescribing uh, around that and again learning more about the differences and, and what that means um for them for their bodies in terms of synthetic versus the body identical. Um, and I just realised before, uh, Clara, I didn't really answer your question about hot flushes there. <laughs> I got um, sidetracked around that. But one thing with hot flushes is they're never entirely sure which hormone it is that's exacerbating them or causing them. What I've observed observed in my clients is that when we get the foods right for them and we're reducing the inflammation in their body which is a very naturopathic way of looking at things it's it's a um and maybe i won't go into what inflammation is but supporting and nourishing your body with the foods that work really well for you so that that sort of isn't that irritation or that immune response from your body there we get your channels of elimination working well like your bowels and things like that your stress levels or you know how you respond to the stressors in your life does have a big impact on your hot on flushes is what I've Mm. noticed and so for lots of my clients they'll go away as we're working together and that's really great and then they get to see the triggers or the things that alcohol is one that's a really common one Mm. and um sometimes it's sugar or um processed foods and Mm. nearly always it's stress or lack of sleep um Mm definitely contributes to that so and again they do respond quite well with the phytoestrogenic foods added in there as well so it's really a lot of lifestyle medicine that's helpful in this phase of life Mm. and um and helping prevent that but you know like some women don't have any hot flushes and some will have more or, or the sweats or any of those things there as well. But it's, it'll be your own unique blend of what comes mm. up for you. And my personal opinion is it depends on, I suppose, your genetic makeup and your sensitive points in your body. Like for me, as I, I've not really had any hot flushes. If I have, it's always been related to stress stuff If I'm um, or if I'm pushing myself too hard and hustling too much. Um, but for me, I developed a whole lot of 
new allergies and sensitivities and intolerances and other stuff as part of my early perimenopause experience. And when you're at the end of it, do these start to Mm -hmm. go away? So is there an end in sight? I feel like it's important. Give us hope. (laughs) Yeah, so you start at like 14, 15 being told you've got certain symptoms and then you're pushing all the way into your 50s. Yeah. yeah. Is there something to look forward to? I think it's important to remember too is that it doesn't have to be really awful or horrific. Like it is, you know, and if you, there's research that tells us in other countries or other cultures where they value women as they age and they see like postmenopausal women and appreciate them for their wisdom and, and what they've been through, they mm. really don't have symptoms of perimenopause like we do. You know, there's some cultural, yeah, it's really interesting. And they've, they have actually done research. So if you go into, say, PubMed on the, on the internet and looking mm. at all the research studies and you will see them come up. And so that tells us a lot about, I guess, our role as we moving in this phase or me moving beyond it, what I'm going to tell my daughters and what I tell mm. you know, my nieces and all of that and how we appreciate and look up to the women that are postmenopausal as well, but also how we think about it as well as we're going through it. And mm. thinking about, you know, like when I was growing up and in my adult years as well it was really seen as like an end or the end Mm. you know there's nothing you're not worth there's nothing to come from you now because that's only valuing us uh, a women for our reproductive capacity Mm. and that's really you know how we're seen and so from a feminist perspective I suppose we're looking at that as well we have a whole lot of value beyond that don't Mm. we we are worth so much more than just our capacity to make humans Mm. which is really amazing and quite a superpower (laughs) so to be you know exalted but also there's so much more to us than you know, the way we look or what we can, Mm. our bodies can produce. So um, I think the way we think about it as well and embracing it as a transformation, puberty was a major transformation, wasn't it? And we, we struggled through that as well at different times thinking about who am I? What do I want to be? Where do I fit in, in all of Mm -hmm. this? And there is that sense of that through perimenopause as well, because you're like, well, who am I if I'm not mum all the time, or if I'm, if my children are becoming a bit more independent and they don't need me so much yeah. or I'm not making babies or any of those things, what do I want from this next phase of life? So there's that whole sense of, of transformation around it and, yeah, your body's adjusting and adapting and are changing as well, but it doesn't have to be that whole horrific thing. And I think that it is hard for some women. I don't want to diminish that and it's around again support structures or what they have and I think that's important to remember and note and just because your mum or your auntie or your sister had a certain experience Mm -hmm. like I said yours will be unique to you and it doesn't have to follow in that footstep as well. There's a lot of people going through this phase of life with teenagers (laughs) going through their hormonal phases yes yeah which I thought was really interesting conversation um and something that you just kind of briefly touched on now is that you've got a husband that's very um, supportive and you've got children that you can actually explain stuff to. So you can say to them, you know, this is what I'm going through and I'm having hormonal changes or I'm having 
you know, changes within my body, which sometimes means that I'm up and down similar to how you're up and down. But I thought that was fascinating. Mm. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't even think about is that uh, there could be quite a lot of hormones going on in the house at the same time when you're going through this, which can make things a little bit more interesting. Yes. And I think, you know, that's because we are having children later. Like I had my first child three months before I turned 30, which means Mm. that he um, was a a teen and and going through puberty as I started going through early perimenopause and same with my now 16-year-old and her going through puberty and it's why I think it's what makes it more hectic for us because yeah we've got Mm. two people going through the similar significant amount of change in their body just the hormones going in opposite directions that it can make for a hair trigger you know like in the house two people with their brains being rewired and so they may not always have the capacity for that tolerance or patience or kindness Mm. and you kind of you know butting up against each other in that way it can be really difficult so I think that's a a benefit I think we were discussing it last time because it was a benefit of having your children a bit later or a bit earlier so to avoid that um but also yeah giving yourself that grace and that space as well because like I said to my kids um you know, we're going through a similar process. Your brain's being rewired and mine is mm. too. And we both need lots of rest through that. But I have adult responsibilities and a job and I got to look after you guys. And mm. I don't necessarily get that time or that space. So I think we have to work harder to find those little pockets of, like I was saying before, the solitude or the quiet, whether it's just a Mm. hot cup of tea sitting at the window, looking out the window or eating your lunch at the table instead of your desk or in the car driving to pick someone up. Those little pockets of five or ten minutes will really go a long way alongside going to bed early. (laughs) That's my personal campaign point for life um is going to bed early uh, to help you get through that and um and realizing that you know and so this is sometimes so easy to say and hard to do to remove yourself from the situation because you know realizing that well I might not have my filter that I would normally have because my brain is rewiring and and busy doing lots of things so yeah, that's huge and good to remember. So thanks for reminding me of that as well, Clara. I often forget no, it too. I think I, we all yeah. do because we're just so deep in the trenches of mm-hmm. parenting and, and you you know, you forget that, yeah, you're both having – I think we forget to give ourselves that same kindness that we might give our child or they get to sleep and sleep in and we're up doing all the things. Sarah, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I've honestly learned so much about hormones, peri and menopause. And for any of our listeners that want to dig a little deeper, I'll put links to everything we discussed in the show notes below. Like this podcast, please give us a five-star review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it. We want to help as many people as possible live healthier lives. This podcast is general in nature. We aren't doctors or health practitioners. But if this podcast has prompted something for you, we really encourage you to make an appointment with your health practitioner and get advice that is tailored to you. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.